In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the uh, first Sunday of the Great Lent. It's already almost over. And today the Gospel is from uh, Matthew chapter 6. And in our journey in Lent, uh, this Sunday is called Treasure Sunday because of the famous verse that's at the beginning of the Gospel. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in, break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the question we want to ask ourselves today is, where is our treasure? And what are the things uh, that we value? The other day I was discussing with someone uh, how we can describe people. How we can describe people and their personalities. And over the years, psychologists have sort of developed different frameworks and different models of how to characterize different people. And the common theme of these frameworks is that each one has like some qualities or characteristics. And then what we try to do is kind of fit people into certain characteristics and certain bins. You know, for instance, one of the most famous ones is uh, maybe Myers-Briggs. Maybe you've heard of Myers-Briggs. Like, you say, like, someone is introverted or extroverted. So, dependent, you put them into a, a certain category that describes their personality. And we were discussing some of the limitations of, like, Myers-Briggs and some of these other personality frameworks. And the person suggested another framework which I thought was very powerful. And that framework was, who is your master? Who is your master? Actually, you can tell someone's personality by who their master is. Whoever their master is, they will be like them. They will be like their master. So I thought this was a very powerful concept about who is your master. And actually very in line with the teachings of the Bible. For some youth, maybe their phone is their master. So if I take their phone, they crumble. Like, they dissolve. Because this is their, like, livelihood. It is their source of, like... And we all have some masters. Who are our masters? Maybe for the elder, maybe it's uh, their... It could be their wife, their kids. Maybe it's their job. Those could all be masters. And if anything else is not like other than the Lord, it's not a suitable master. So the question is, who is your master? I remember when I was uh, in graduate school, there was a, uh, a research group. And in this research group, the professor was very kind of rigid. And everyone who was in this group, they would uh, they researched the same way they presented the same way they had a certain like template of powerpoint slides so if you saw this powerpoint slide you would know it came from this professor so one time i was at a conference and it was in a different place and it was a professor i was in california and i was in detroit i think and there was someone presenting and then he was presenting, and I was like, oh my, 
is this is this guy like Professor Iglesias? His name is Professor. I was like, is this Professor Iglesias? Because his style is the exact same. Why? Like, I'm in Minnesota listening, and, I, and just by the way he's talking, the way he's presenting the material, I say, wow, I know this style. I know who who this is, Professor Iglesias. So I went to my friend. I said, who is this? Is this for, because, uh, like, you know, in our circle, we're all proud about who comes from our schools or whatever. I was like, who is this guy? He said, oh, this was Professor Iglesias' best student. I was like, of course. It's very obvious. It's very obvious. The same style, the same presentation, the same way of presenting, the ch- very enlightening, the same ideas. It's like he was like his, his master. And I think the same is true in our Christianity. As children of God... We should literally become our master. You have to become your master. You have to be like Jesus Christ. And you should take on the characteristics of your master. St. Paul says you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And if you think about personality, personality, I think, is like a demonstration of what's in, in your mind. The outward expression of what's in your mind. And so if we have the mind of Christ... If Christ is the head of the body, if Christ is our master, then I think we will all conform to his will. We will be very like-minded. We will be very like-minded. I'm not saying we all have the same personality, do things the exact, but at least we'll be like-minded. We will conform to his will. And this is why what's interesting is when the apostles, when they were... uh, getting their first dose of persecution. What did the Pharisees say? The Pharisees told them, they said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Why? They realized that they had been with... They had been with Jesus. So, in like, the Pharisees, they did what I did. They were like, oh, this is a Glacius student. Oh, this was... Oh, this was a follower of... They're changed. These are like the disciples. They have a master in Jesus Christ. Christians should be distinguishable. Distinguishable. Someone was telling me the other day that in their office, in their office there's many co-workers, and this person was telling me that in their office, the Christians are different than the non-Christians. The Christians are different than the non... The ones who have Christ as their master are different than the ones who do not have Christ as their non-master. The ones who don't have Christ as their master, they're bickering, they're always complaining, they're always uh, talking bad about each other. But the ones who are Christian are at peace, are, are, positive, are working to enhance things at the office. I've heard this from many people. That's because when Christ is your master, it changes your perception. It changes the, the way you live. It changes your personality. And then you start to take on the characteristics of the master. Peace and love and joy. So, I know we're sitting in church, and if I asked you, who is your master? All of you would say... Thank you. Very good. You guys, good answer. But the idea of the gospel of today is that you should think about that no man can serve two masters. That's from the gospel of today. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and he will despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Lord gave mammon as a common master because usually earthly possession, whether it be money, whether it be worldly pleasure, whether it be food or clothing, all those things, they, try to be, they become masters. And the Lord was saying you can't serve those two things. They don't coexist. People have tried in the past to serve both and failed. People have tried to serve both masters and it doesn't work. You can't serve both. I think the most famous example or one that came to my mind was the example of Ananias and Sapphira. How they were Christians and wanted to join the early group. But when it came time for them to, to make their, their contribution, actually they lied. They lied first to themselves and they lied to the apostles. And I don't think the Lord was pleased with their lie. Here was someone who was trying to serve two masters. And by today's standards, I think we would say to Hanani, we'd say, wow, this is very normal. At least they gave part. They gave some. They didn't. Uh, but actually, because the, they lied and they didn't give everything, they were serving Two masters. You cannot serve two masters. And actually, that's why the Lord says, What profit is a man if he gains the whole world? You could gain the whole world, and you could lose your own soul. Or here's a different way. What can a man give in exchange for his own soul? In other words, all the other types of masters, they cannot save you. They cannot save you. Can money save you? When you go to heaven, can you buy the gate? Like, can you buy your way into heaven? You cannot. So, why do you have that as a master? Why do you have earthly, earthly possession or uh, pleasures as your master if it cannot save you? In Luke, uh, Luke twelve, which is sort of the sister chapter for the gospel of today, Matthew 6. And if you go to Luke 12, you'll see the same do not worry and the same passage about treasure and where your treasure is. There's a part, uh, a parable in Luke 12 that is very nice. It's the parable of the rich man. And the rich man, as you know, he had, like, he had earth and it started to produce a lot. So what he decided to do was build a barn for it. And when he started to build a barn, then he decided to... Chill out, relax, have a good time, enjoy life, you've worked hard, enjoy the pleasures. And one day, it, the Lord said, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And then the Lord said, So is he who lays up treasure for himself, lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich Toward God. The idea is, who is your master? This is the idea that I think is very like scary for all, all of us. Most of us are immigrants and we, our families came here for a better life and for pleasure. And, and not for pleasure, for a, a freedom and for better prosperity and for wonderful things. It would be a shame. It would be a travesty if that's the only thing we came here for. And we forgot our salvation. We came here to build big barns, to have nice houses, to have whatever, the, the protection from the state. That's all great. But that would be a big shame if that's the only reason we came and we lost our salvation. 
I'm not saying those things are bad. And I love this country. God bless this country. And God protect it. And, but that would be a big shame if we're just sitting here building barns for ourselves, building big bank accounts. And then at the end, when the Lord, soul, your soul is required, what do you give in exchange of your own soul? It would be a big shame. I think all of us, we need to take a moment to reevaluate who is our master, where is our treasure. A good example of someone I think we should mimic is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She knew who her master was. She knew who the master was. And when she knew who the master was, she offered him her treasure. She offered him her treasure. What was her treasure? It was some costly spikenard. And I think this is the requirement of everyone. And I think that action, like that action of here, take this, shows that now I'm dedicating like all my treasures. I've taken my treasures, whatever they are, and I'm going to put them now at the feet of you, Lord. I'm going to take all my treasures and put them right at your feet. I think that's a defining moment. In her, that was like a defining moment in her life. I think all of us need to have a defining moment like that, where we think about what are the things that are our masters. Take those things that are your masters and put them at the feet of the Lord. And this is the, the requirement of everyone. That's why the parable of the, the pearl of great price is it says when someone found the pearl of great price, what's the pearl of great price? The pearl of great price is the great treasure, the Lord Himself. When He found the pearl of great price, what did He do? He sold all that He had, He sold everything that He had, and He went and bought that field. He bought that field. Why did He buy that? Because there was a greater treasure here. There was a greater treasure here. You might say, Abuna, I don't know what to sell. I don't know who my masters are. I don't know. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, do, I don't. Maybe one test that you could d- determine who your master is, is what are you worrying about? What are you worrying about? Think about what you worry about. And if those things, like, those things could be your master. Maybe, they could be your master. Are you worried about your looks? Are you worried about your dress? Are you worried about your, are you worried about your job? Are you worried about your, are you worried about your, are you worried about all of these things? All of the things that you might be worried about, they might be your master. And maybe they're controlling you. And maybe they're, like, they're the motivation for why you do certain things. And so take a moment, think about what you worry about. And maybe those are the things that you should be like Mary and offer them to the Lord. Take whatever thing is worrying you and take it and put it at the feet of the Lord. Because Christians should not worry. I know it's easy for me to say because that's what I'm just giving a sermon. But it's, it's a promise. It's a guarantee. It's actually one of the, like, if you are guaranteed something, you don't worry. That's why, like, you know, 30 back, money back guarantees and stuff. Why do people like those? Is because it takes away your worry. Oh, I can try this product out. I can go back to Costco and take it back. And Costco's very nice. They take back everything without asking questions, without... It's very nice. So I have no worries. I'll buy whatever I want. It's okay, I'll buy and I'll take back. No worry. 
Because there's a guarantee. The guarantee behind the worry takes away the worry. Right? So if the Lord guarantees something, then it should take away should take away the worry. And that's why the Lord guaranteed your salvation. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's a guarantee. It's the Father's guaranteeing it. Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not only did He guarantee the kingdom for you, not only did He guarantee the kingdom for you, He also guaranteed the clothing and all the other stuff that you want, actually. He said, He said, the lilies of the field, I don't have it in front of me, the lilies of the field, and how they neither grow nor spindle, but the, your heavenly Father clothes them. How much more value are you than many sparrows? How, many, how much more value does He care about you? So He's giving you a guarantee. He will take care of those things. And then obviously the, the famous last verse is, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So it is a guarantee. So the Lord is guaranteeing, so if the Lord is guaranteeing something for you, then it should take away your worry. The last thing that I want to, to leave you with is sort of the choice. The choice between the masters. Think about the masters that are in, that, you know, are in your life, and think about who, do you, who will you follow and who will you choose. At the end of his life, Joshua... He set before them, he set the multitudes and the Israelites before him, and he gave them this choice. He said, who are you going to be your, who's going to be your master? Just like as we're saying today, who is going to be your master? And Joshua said this, and I'll leave you with this. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, my master is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the way we're going to follow. So you guys, if you want to follow other masters, more than welcome, but choose which master. You have to make the choice. Some people are going through life not making choices of what masters they're following and guaranteed you're following the wrong one. <laughs> if you're not making a conscious choice to follow the right one, you're making the wrong decision. Make a choice to follow the master. He's the one that has the guarantees. He's the one that will give you fulfillment. And that's why you don't have to worry about your food. What am I going to eat in Lent? What am I going to wear in what? You have the guarantee. I hope we choose the right master and we become conformed to his image and glory be to God forever. Amen. Yeah.